0: Welcome to The Brew Files from Experimental Brewing, our quick hit series where we focus on fundamental aspects of brewing, including styles, techniques, and recipes. More brew, more flavor, more stories, less time, less ukulele. On this episode, one of the interesting traditions of homebrewcon is the commemorative beer that every attendee receives in their goodie bag. When the conference was small, it was a homebrew put together by the local club. But with the attendance in the thousands now, local breweries have stepped in to fill the need. For this year's commemorative beer, it's wicked smooth—an apricot milkshake IPA. I talk with Gray Sail Brewing's Michelle Clark and Heavy Seas' Chris Leonard about how they teamed up from multiple states away, and what decisions went into the beer they were actively brewing as we talked. But first, a message from our sponsors.
1: Getting accurate measurements of your beer is one of the keys to improving your brewing the pro series hydrometers from brewing america will help you help your beer these american-made nist traceable hydrometers are accurate easy to read and the kits come with a cleaning brush and cloth and a borosilicate test flask that uses half the sample size of most flasks. That means less beer for testing and more beer for you. Brewing America is a small, family-owned business of husband-and-wife veterans, so when you buy a Brewing America hydrometer, you're not only getting a great piece of equipment, you're supporting the people who support America. Brewing America hydrometers are available on Amazon or at www.brewingamerica.com.
0: Explore the history of tart, fruity, and refreshing Goza-style beer with the latest book from Brewer's publication, Goza, Brewing a Classic German Beer for the Modern Era. Written by award-winning veteran brewer Fal Allen, Goza includes 27 recipes including Sea Quench Sour from Dogfish Head Craft Brewery and Ruben Brew's 2017 Great American Beer Festival gold medal-winning Goza. Right now, Brewer's Publications is giving experimental homebrewing listeners a discount on Goza. Go to brewerspublications.com and use code EXPERIMENTAL to take 20% off Goza. That's right. You'll save 20% when you use code EXPERIMENTAL at brewerspublications.com. The American Homebrewers Association, a community of more than 45,000 individuals who share a common passion: beer. Since 1978, the AHA has promoted and advanced the most delicious hobby in the world, providing brewing resources, supporting homebrew-friendly legislation, offering exclusive member deals at breweries and homebrew shops, and hosting one-of-a-kind events like HomebrewCon and the National Homebrew Competition. Join your beer-loving peers at homebrewersassociation.org. Welcome back and thank you for listening to those messages from our fine, fine sponsors. Remember, if you ever have a chance to interact with any of them, tell them that you heard about them on the brew files so that they know they're, they're spending their money wisely while I'm spending it foolishly. Now, today, you know, you guys know it's up the uprun to homebrew con and it wouldn't be a homebrew con without a commemorative beer. So I have on the line two fine folks who are helping to make that a possibility. Would you guys introduce yourselves?
2: My name is Michelle Clark. I'm the head brewer at Grace Brewing in Westerly, Rhode Island.
0: And
3: I am Chris Lynch, the brewmaster and operations manager at Heavy Seas Beer in beautiful Baltimore,
1: Maryland.
0: <laughs> two uh, two homebrew con locations uh, coming together, um, and you guys are currently at Heavy Seas. Yes, correct. And so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, both your backgrounds, uh, Michelle. You want to, you want to kick us off with how did you get into into brewing?
2: Um, yeah, so. Um, fairly typical story. I was a home brewer for a while and, um, I had a desk job that I just really hated. And when Grey sale opened, I went down and checked them out. And, um, I just really like the beers I started with. And then I met my boss, Alan at a beer festival and we just talked to him, thought he was a cool guy. And then, um, they were only open for about eight or nine months. They weren't hiring or anything, but I just shot him an email like, Hey, you know, I grew at home so I know the basics and um, they had a really terrible website at the time and I did graphics and I was like I'll do website maintenance and on-premise tastings things and clean kegs like whatever you need help with just to kind of get my foot in the door and then I've been there for six and a half years now so just kind of worked my way up from like random task person to sellerman. I still do a lot of other things, like I still order merchandise and maintain social media accounts on top of brewing maintenance and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, so just kind of reached out and it worked out.
0: <laughs> it, it's amazing how easy it is to get into the brewing industry if you just show up and say, I'll do things and, and keep at it.
2: And that long ago, there it, it wasn't quite the boom yet. Like now there's so many breweries and everyone wants to work in one, which is great. But at the time, that hadn't quite happened yet. So... It wasn't like a super you know, uh, saturated market at, that it was a little bit easier probably back then to just be qualified enough. <laughs> now you might need a little bit more qualification to get started somewhere. But yeah, it just worked out really well. Right place, right time.
3: All
0: right, and uh,
3: Chris? Uh, I was a consulting engineer out of college uh, back in the 90s, the 1990s. <laughs> and uh, about six years into it, I realized that there was no way I was going to spend the next 40 years in a cubicle doing homework all day, so I, uh, while I had homebrewed maybe twice, I think, um, I decided that nobody would ever pay me to play hockey or guitar, but <laughs> I found out there were brewing schools that existed and maybe somebody would pay me to brew beer. So I uh, sold most of the things I didn't need and saved a bunch of money and traveled out West American Brewers Guild and then woodlands california outside of sacramento near davis uh, in the winter of 1997 and i have been a professional brewer ever since
0: i feel you on the nobody's going to pay you to play a guitar or in my case write books so good on you for uh, getting into the industry and the degree so let's talk how did the how did this collaboration between you guys come together because i mean we got rhode island and we got maryland
3: well it's it's interesting this is you know, so often you hear a three-tiered system uh, is, is flawed and, and causes problems for brewers and, and retailers and everybody but the distributors. But in this case, we share a distributor in Rhode Island. Uh, and, and Rhode Island is a very strong market for heavy seas. Um, lots of water up there and yeah. uh, lots of people who like uh, uh, heavy seas beer. So we've, we've had a very good relationship not only with the people of Rhode Island, but um, but our distributor there. So they actually connected us and sort of said, "Hey, there's this fantastic brewery in Westerly, uh, Gray Sail. Uh, they make beers not unlike the ones cheese make. And if you guys ever did a collab, that would be really good for us, <laughs> and also good for yeah. you." So um, they've been barking up this tree for a while
2: now. Yeah, about two three years. Yeah, because I remember sure. um, Hugh says owner yeah he's our founder so, yeah he whenever he was in rhode island he would pop in and you know kind of have a beer and super nice right. guy and we would feel like we have to get together and every time we're like yeah okay you but it never happened sure. and then it's finally just all the stars finally aligned i guess right. but so yeah uh our distributor mcgloff and moran up there is the matchmaker i guess we call him.
3: right
0: <laughs> I, I think that might be the first time i've ever heard a my distributor is not evil story
2: And we feel the same way. They've been ever from day one, they've been super supportive to us. And there's not a lot of breweries in Rhode Island that do distribute. We're one of the like five of 27 breweries that do. And we've always been a huge fan of McLaughlin. They've been great to us from day one. And they're not a boutique
3: (laughs) distributor, right? They have a very large supplier who is, you know, drives their business. Uh, I would think, yeah, most part, but uh, they've always understood it seems. The value of the type of products that we make and have supported us and made some money yeah, on, on yeah. our products.
2: But so so. it's probably safe yeah. to say they don't need us. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah, <laughs> we need probably them right.
0: more than yeah. they
2: need us as being uh, just as great on the same.
0: Well, so we have the distributor playing matchmaker, and now we get the framework of the AHA coming in. So how did how did this part of it come together?
2: So I guess um the, the people running the Homebrew Con up in Providence were reaching out to the Rhode Island Brewers Guild. I mean, this is my story, yeah. I know it. I'm actually on the board of directors for the Rhode Island Brewer Guild. I'm the marketing director. So the executive director reached out and was like, they're looking for sponsors and they're looking for someone to make their official beer. And I was like, well, so great a sponsor. I know have you seen a sponsor in the past. I think you like this beer. And if you're not this year, at least like super involved. And I was like, this is like, so many birds with one stone. They need a beer. Both of our breweries are involved It's in Rhode Island this year. So when they said they needed beer, I was like, well, why don't we just take this beer we're already making and just call it the homebrew con beer? And it just kind of worked out that way.
0: Redecoration, re- redirection of efforts to, to help yeah. recover.
2: Now we're just making more to accommodate the, you know, 34,000 cans or whatever they said they needed. <laughs>
3: Yeah, it it, it it changed what we were doing a little bit. Um, we have a 15 barrel brew house here that we do a lot of these collaborations and, and small batch release beers. Uh, we use it for that, and we have a 60 barrel brew house where we brew all of our you know our, our large scale production products. And uh, when the homebrew con folks said we need X, you know, this is how much beer we need in cans, we sort of said well. All right, I guess we're brewing on the big brew house. Yeah. So, so we're actually brewing a forty-two barrel batch of the beer as we speak.
2: Yeah, someone else is making. It. <laughs> well,
0: I, I'm very glad that you guys uh, took a break during the brewing process to to come talk about this. So, let's talk a little bit about the the breweries you, that you guys are from. So, what is Gray Sale known for?
2: Well, IPA is called Captain's Daughter. me mm-hmm. Launched it in October 2014. So we had already been open for about three years at that time, and we had a couple year-round beers, a few seasonals. We were kind of just—I um, don't want to say making enough. Like we were making plenty of beer, but it, we we were like, we need to make something new that's going to really get people excited. So we were—we really pushed a lot of marketing. Hey, we're coming out with a new double IPA, and it, it just absolutely exploded. Um, it brought the brewery to a whole nother level. We've expanded twice since it came out, add a lot more tanks and a lot more capacity, more staff, more space that we distribute to. So um, it's certainly our, you know, the, the breadwinner of the beers that we make. And it's a eight and a half percent citrus mosaic. It's not um, it's not your typical hazy New England. It's unfiltered, you know, it's cloudy, but um the the haze factor gets big and bigger and bigger every day. So ours is kind of peters. Peters on that level, but it's been around for many years now, and people still love it. And um, so, yeah, that's that's definitely our biggest
0: one. And you said uh, what and Mosaic, which I mean, that plays right into even if it's not hazy, it plays into that. that exactly, profile.
2: Those, are the, those words that people. Use.
3: Well, actually, it, it is hazy. <laughs> from hazy. what hazy
2: used it's to be. It's technically hazy. Right.
0: It's not cloudy. <laughs> it's not
2: cloudy. It's not murky. Any of those other
3: you know choices. Well, you want I guess to we'll get more into that in a little bit. <laughs>
0: All right, and then so let's jump over to Heavy Seas because I know you guys have been around for a while.
3: We have been uh we've been making beer in Baltimore since nineteen ninety-five. And um yeah, loose cannon is our I guess you call it our flagship IPA, American IPA, seven and a quarter percent alcohol. Um Simco is our is the driving hop behind that one. There's also Citra, um from Centennial, some Palisade and Cascade. Uh, that beer is a 25,000 C a year product for us. So uh, it's pretty big. And, and it, it basically took heavy C's from about a 15,000 barrel brewery to a 30,000 barrel brewery in two years back in, uh, 2008, 2009, yeah. something like that. So, um, that was actually before I, I was here. Um, but we have, we, we're, we're known for IPAs in general. Our number two selling beer is Tropic Cannon, which is a citrus IPA, um, tropical mango, blood orange, along with, um, a lot of Amarillo hops, uh, and Simcoe. And, um, we have a double IPA, double Cannon, which is our third best selling beer. So, um, we're known for American style IPAs and, uh, very clear beers. Yeah. So it's, you that's keep it going, but, uh, <laughs> but we're working, we're working on it. We're always evolving. We're always. You okay, need, okay. yes, either. so we're relevant still yeah. because you're
0: showing you're what <laughs> we're not sure. Okay. okay, well, now, so let's talk about that because, all right, we have a mid Atlantic state and we've got a New England state here, and then we've got the whole rift on New England hazy IPA versus clear IPA. So, where do you guys stand?
3: Well, you know, we, we, I like to be politically correct, so uh, you know if somebody likes it, then it must have value. Yeah. 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 If
2: someone likes something, I'm not going to tell them that they're wrong. Um, but it's you know if you want to get into like brewing science and tactics and purity and where it all began, then this is just. It's it's so far.
3: Uh, it's anathema to my my <laughs> my uh, scientific and uh, educational background uh but at the same time it is fun and interesting so yeah. just to give you a uh um sort of a you know sidebar is uh we have a um seasonal beer called citric cannon which is purposely hazy. Yeah. so um you know, we did it without yeast and and we did it with purposefully what i would call core brewing techniques uh <laughs> to develop a hazy beer but uh but the beer tastes wonderful and I guess to the person who finds that aesthetic appealing, uh, it looks like what folks nowadays, certain folks nowadays want. So, um, hey, things are always going to be different and yeah. changing, and and anybody that stands and says this is horrible is going to is going to is going to you know get left behind. So. Yeah
2: um and that's solid i mean yeah evolution right things are right, all things yeah. you can't can't right. stay stuck in the past forever and it sure. doesn't mean one can't exist without the other there's still plenty of Pilsners and you know lagers and mm-hmm. just light scales and it, there's plenty of clear beers still out there that are being afloat. So
3: there are probably some german brewers rolling in their They're brains, just absolutely
2: dying again so yeah
3: <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, again, uh, the original shock and awe of this being popular, uh, something that I had to deal with personally, uh, on my own terms. It was about me, not about <laughs> the beer. It was me, not it. And, uh, I, I, yeah, so I've, uh, I've moved past it and, uh, we, we make hazy beers here at the Seas uh, from time to time and, uh, we have fun doing it. So like today.
2: So yeah, we're
3: having a, so a great
0: time watching yeah, other people yeah. struggle, <laughs> struggle with. Well, my my co-host uh, Denny on the on the regular program he he's well known for his disregard for the New England style, you know. But he's finally he's finally come to a a, a level of peace where what we talk about sometimes on the show is uh, don't yuck other people's yum, you know. If other people yeah. find this yum,
2: yeah, if you like
3: it, great. And I, I had a. Yeah, and I had a head I had a head brewer who worked for me uh a few years back and uh, somebody had made a comment about one of our beers that he didn't care for for whatever reason it was and his response is, Well, I didn't make it for you. So when it comes to the hazy is like I don't, I'm not making it for me. If I, you know, if I don't want to drink it, I don't have to. Exactly. So there are people that like it, and I want to make everybody happy. So yeah. if this is what I have to do to make these people like, happy,
2: yeah, I'll we'll do it to make them happy.
3: Which then makes me
2: happy. Exactly.
3: Even <laughs> if I'm not drinking the beer on a regular basis. That's
2: it. Yeah, what you can tell. Drink less
3: beer sure. because there's less beer out there that you want to drink. I get.
0: <laughs> well, the other thing I can also say is I I know it makes my sponsor, uh, Yakima Chief Hops, very happy that there are so many you know, heavily h- dry hopped, uh, hazy beers coming out there. So they're happy. That's
2: what beer is
0: all about? Yeah, beer should be about happiness. And uh, uh, every time you get like the world of uh, whale chasers and the pastry stout haters and, you know, yeah, the the hazy dis- uh, grumblings, you know, you kind of have to stop ba- step back and kind of go, it's still just beer. We should have fun with this.
2: Just here. And we need to relax.
0: <laughs> so let's let's go ahead and let's uh, dig into the uh, the collaboration here. Uh, uh, wicked smooth. Uh, and, and it's been a while since I've lived in Massachusetts, so I can't quite hit that wicked quite correct.
3: <laughs> we're, we're, as it turns out, we're both from New Jersey. Yeah, how do you like that? So, uh, <laughs> we don't, we don't have, Yeah. Right. Cool. we shouldn't have said that. Well, uh, we don't well. <laughs> Right. So, yeah, I can't say it w- wicked smooth.
2: Wicked smooth. Well, because yeah. it's, you know, the typical thing you'd be like if it were like smart. Like that's smart. The, the, wicked the, smart.
0: Yeah.
2: But I yeah. don't really hear people. Say it well. That's the thing with accents so we get. Right.
0: I went to school in Boston. So let's talk the, the beer. What, what was the, when you guys said, okay, hey, let's make this, you know, this New England IPA that's going to be a collaboration between the two of us, what was the profile that you guys wanted?
3: Uh, I think we just said, well, it's New England and we both make IPAs, but neither one of us makes a New England IPA per se, like we don't necessarily do that. And with the so, milk
2: with the lactose in it too. So right. It's more so, like that
3: milkshake So let's do something that neither one of us has really ever done before and yeah. try and make its our own thing. So just milkshake was the milkshake. Was the idea. And
2: that's a word of, of yeah. buy me right now that people really are getting excited about. So We're like, we might as well make something that people really want, right? So and. A lot of breweries now do that milkshake here where they put the, you know, the lactose and a buttload of fruit in it and um, it tastes like a milkshake. Like it almost doesn't taste yep. like here at that point. And that's what we're
3: going for. Yep. <laughs> so we got a buttload got of a buttload. apricot puree that we're going to put in the fermenter along with uh, lots of lactose mm-hmm. um, and way too many oats. A lot of Dently as our yeah. three and a half hour runoff would be too. Yep. Yeah.
0: Was it just flake oats or? Yeah,
3: flake oats, uh, a lot of malted wheat.
0: That sounds like gl- gluey mess. It was.
3: It was. It was, it, it was a hot mess. Very no gluey doubt. Mess. Yeah. So,
0: um,
3: you know, one of our, one of my younger brewers is manning the brew house right now, and <laughs> and he's finding the challenges. Um, I think he's finding it interesting. That uh, You know, we don't normally brew beers like this in large scale. Uh, whenever we do these beers, it's usually in our 15 barrel brew house. So. It's usually me or, or my head brewer, uh, doing the dirty work. And, um, there are no numbers and there's no, there's no control panel and that sort of thing. So it's been a, it's been a good experience, learning experience for, you know, how to go into manual mode and, and make some adjustments to actually get the beer
2: brewed.
3: <laughs> <laughs> to get it brewed successfully. Yeah. I guess. You took it off,
2: right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm good.
0: Yeah somewhere I think when you just said that you went to full manual mode on this there was an old brewer who just cracked a tear you know, a little little tear of pride
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> so you guys said okay let's do a milkshake IPA because that seems to be something that everybody's having fun with we want to play with it and kind of play outside of our usual sandbox so what brings the what brought the apricot into that why why apricot ah, that's
3: a good question so Pretty here's much. here's what it was. So <laughs> we were looking for a fruit that was TTB exempt ingredient. Yep. And I had gotten some pink lava puree samples, but they hadn't arrived yet. So that sounded really neat.
2: Yeah, it really did sound. It sounded
3: really neat. And then our compliance person, uh, Susan, said to me, "Chris, go f yourself. Um, <laughs> we need a formula for that." And I said, well, we can do that. And then the guava sample showed up and I tasted it. And I said, you know what? You're right, Susan. We don't need <laughs> a formula because guava, let's not do the guava. Uh, it was a little earthy and uh, I don't know, it was just a little funky and it didn't have a sweetness to it. Um, while pink guava sounded really not cool, really it sounded well, like yeah. it would be a really neat beer. Um, and then we just looked and said, all right, well, what other fruits? maybe haven't I used or what other fruits are you know there are lots of strawberry milkshake IPAs out yeah. there and and vanilla milkshake IPAs and I didn't see a lot of apricot and yeah. I saw apricot uh, from two of our suppliers were readily available and tasted really good so what the heck there you have yeah it. so it was more like not by default but it
2: yeah, I mean, it was during the government shutdown. Yes, that's right. A right. Lot of right. People yes, good point. don't realize yes. that affects breweries yes. as well as, like, you we're know, just standard stuff. So the TPB exempts, there's a list of stuff that the TPB has deemed uh, usable. You don't have to get approval. And because we didn't know when the government was opening back up, and now Homebrew kind of gave us a deadline, we were like, we need to take something that is already okay to use, right. just in case they didn't open up back up.
0: Right. Uh, yeah. And so uh, home brewers never have to deal with this, but on the professional brewer side, you have to deal with the fact like, yeah, you have to get the ingredients approved unless everybody's already said, oh, yeah, okay, that's fine. Exactly. All right. So we got Africa, and then we got lactose. Since you guys have said that, you know, like milkshake IPA was sort of outside your usual realm. How did you decide how much lactose to put into this?
3: Uh, well, we're not done yet. So <laughs> we'll, see we'll see. So we're going <laughs> to we'll put, know. well, we actually, uh, we actually brew a, um, a chocolate imperial milk stout every year called siren noir that we bourbon barrel ate. so we have some experience already using lactose in in the brew house so we're putting 100 pounds in the uh 42 barrel batch in the kettle and then what we'll do and and it's always fun with these collaborations is we have a plan as to what we think is going to happen but two weeks from now i taste the beer i'll give her a shout and say you know what uh probably need more lactose and then we'll just add more so we have an opportunity here um to do it to taste if you will yeah uh, and same goes with apricot. we may decide to add more of that um, and i still haven't decided in my um, at this age in my life whether i want to say apricot or apricot I, yeah i don't know i've heard both um
2: yeah. like every time i just we have been talking about yeah. this beer between like your staff and my yeah. staff it's like a 50-50 split right yeah. so <laughs> and and
3: we might even go we might we might even go so far as to add some vanilla, but we'll, we'll, we're, we're trying to avoid that. Yeah. But at the same time, we want anybody who picks up our beer that says apricot milkshake IPA to tastes it and say, that tastes yep. like what an apricot milkshake IPA would taste. Exactly. Like we want
2: there to be no question mm-hmm. about it. Right. Around the holidays, we made a beer called Kegnog that was oh, yeah, milkshake. That. Yeah. And I added the vanilla, but so the two reasons that we're hoping to avoid vanilla is A, it's so effing expensive right but also the vanilla we use in keg nog have like a spice it's not like when you eat vanilla ice cream it doesn't taste like that it's like this spice kind of like you reminded me of like chai tea mm. which is why we're like oh it's kind of like, like cinnamon yeah How about sort of, uh, like a spicy taste you're like it, that's gonna I pull away from the fruit that was like my concern but there's probably like, so many vanilla cups.
0: Well, and I I would also think like you'd want to avoid the vanilla. Yeah, because you said it takes away from the fruit. And then it's also, it's such a common character that why not be a little different?
2: Really, the milk sugar will give it the vanilla-y sweetness without having to add that, you know, make it taste like ice cream without having to add vanilla.
0: Well, in particular, when you got all those oats, too.
3: So yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Would an apricot milkshake be made yeah. with, with an apricot? I mean, I've had, had peach ice cream, but I don't know if I've had right. apricot ice cream. It probably wouldn't be would. much different. So yeah. yeah, would it be vanilla ice cream with apricots or would it be an apricot with ice cream? So we're not really sure. We don't know what we're going for. So we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll hope the apricot does its thing and then we can keep the vanilla out of it. Yeah. Out of it. Equation. That's yeah,
0: it's the ideal. If you if you get down to the point and you don't add vanilla and, and people are like, but I'm missing that ice creamy flavor, you go, Well, that's just because you haven't had the really good hipstery ice cream or that you know it's made with all just the pure ingredients. I sure. just
2: feel
3: like that could be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you've never you've never had you've never had good apricot yes. ice cream. You've never had crafty crafty ice yeah, cream.
0: Right. So that covers, you know, sort of the, the main flavor. So, yeah, whether or not you get the vanilla, you definitely push that apricot, dairy from the lactose, hopefully, you know, and, and also that mouthfeel. Um, also contributed to by the oats. So, what about the water? Do you guys do anything fun with the water for this?
3: No, yeah, not much. We, yeah, we treated it as if any other uh, IPA we brew some calcium sulfate and, and some calcium chloride. Our, our water is fairly soft. To begin yeah. with uh our water reservoir water so it's uh, pretty good water to begin with uh fairly ph neutral and uh we did add some acidity malt too also yep. just to keep the ph in line i didn't, that, we didn't no, uh no. we usually do but <laughs> um yeah i mean it's it, we just want to keep the ph in, in the five three five four range during nash so that was the goal more than anything um, we're not looking for yeast to live in this beer. We want the yeast to block out. So um, the yeast that we're using is from Walaman. They were kind enough to contribute to this project. Oh nice. to donate. So we're using a dried East Coast Dale yeast of their uh from their supply. And they've let us they let me know that um it flocculates more than other traditional. I guess first, other East Coast ale yeast, Vermont ale Correct, right. It's that I mean, yes. I'm <laughs> so the, that, uh, so I, I don't really have a problem with that. These blocks out were, we're okay. Right. Uh, so don't want any cans
0: exploding at the time. Um, so yeah. Learn from us. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. Well, so that's an interesting question. The puree, is that going in at packaging or are you doing that in fermentation?
3: Uh, the, well, yeah, not a pack. we we'll all in the fermenter. Whether it's we're gonna put some in, we'll start a fermentation. We'll put some in midway we'll through, and again, we'll see see yeah. what happens. With it really
0: it. Yeah, because we've talked on the podcast. That, you know, there seems to be some of this trend where people are making yeah either some sort of milkshake IPA or a kettle sour that they put into cans on top of fresh puree, and then put that out into the retail chain, which seems insane.
3: So I have to wear <laughs> safety glasses when I go to the liquor store now,
0: yeah. Gosh. Mm-hmm. It, well, and even even the ones who are being responsible about it are selling it in crawlers across the bar and saying, keep cold until you drink and drink soon, and that that even still unnerves me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
3: We'll probably center we'll, we'll definitely center from beer before we pack it. So I'm not I'm not concerned about it at all. But uh, we just want to make sure it tastes the way
0: first taste. And you mentioned that the yeast came from Lollamond and Lalamond had announced last year their New England dried strain. And I don't think it's come down to the homebrewer level yet. I think that might be coming here very, very shortly. But uh, the rest of the ingredients for this collab, uh, they came. I was told from BSG uh, was helping sponsor some of the ingredients. That's correct. Thank you, BSG, for providing ingredients. Sure. Oh yeah,
2: they're always great about donating to charitable beers.
3: So they sent us pale malt, oats, and and malted wheat and some hops. So this they sent us citra pellets. Colorado
0: and Jose nice, so that's an interesting question. so when you're looking at the fruit, right you guys are talking that you want people to get that sensation of an apricot milkshake apricot milkshake, apricot great now you guys have me worried about how to say it how How does that fruit and milkshake desire for communication compete with or collaborate with the hops? And what you do with those.
3: Well, we're, we're avoiding bitterness. Yeah. For one. All eight additions. So nothing, nothing. Just a, a touch in the boil, just because. Why uh, not? You have to have something <laughs> in the beginning. Come on, people's an idea. Yes. <laughs> right. So, so we want a little something in the front end, but not much. Um, and then, you know, El Dorado hops in general have sort of a stone fruit aroma as it is. So, you know, that, that seemed like a natural. Uh, and then New England IPAs in general use a lot of citrus <laughs> and mosaic. So,
2: yeah, that's a
3: fun so yeah, that, that even if people, uh, don't necessarily you know if the flavor may or may not exist when they hear it's got citra and mosaic. All right. Yeah. I'll yeah. Try. That's I'll what I want. It. I definitely yeah. want that. So, um, but I think the flavors of the mosaic, blueberry very-ish kind of, yeah. I think it all, all kind of work together. You know, the citrus, I don't want to say concerns me. It might there might be a little bit of a of a lemon grapefruit thing. Yeah, in like there. Citrus. citrus yeah. thing, but that might conflict the hair. But then we still want like she said, we still want people to know it's an IPA. So I mean it might work out really well that there are layers of flavor. It's not all complementary, that it's you know multi-dimensional. Yeah. That's yeah. That's yeah. The, Fruit cocktail. Yes.
0: Yeah. I mean, even even a milkshake needs a little bit of acid to it in order to sort of help break up the sweetness.
3: Yeah,
0: that's what you got here with the citra. Really
3: right.
0: Well, I'm always reminded, you know, like Julia Child's maximum that you know nobody knows what happens in the kitchen. Nobody knows what happens in the brewery either. Exactly. Yeah. Do you guys have the recipe as it exists right now that you can share with people?
3: Yeah. In yeah. fact, we uh, the guys at the uh, HA have it. They're gonna they're gonna publish it in the in the um, oh, the, pamphlet. the pamphlet yeah the yeah. thing that comes out with okay. the, at at the conference so can um, create it if they want yeah that's correct yeah. yeah yeah so I don't have percent there, no them. idea we put the recipe this is mm-hmm. just a brew sheet I'll give you the numbers that make some kind of sense to the world um, there it is so we're at seventy uh, percent pale malt twelve percent wheat malt and 20% flakens. Yep. There it is. In the mash. Yeah. High mash temp. 154, 155. Um, because we're in our brew, big brew house it, here at Hedgehog, we did step. So we did 154 for 30 minutes. We did 162 for 10 minutes. And then we mashed over even louder at 169. There, Pato hops, which, uh, Warrior is a fine substitution. Very, uh, neutral, bittering hop. One. <laughs> and one and a half pounds in a 40 barrel batch at the beginning of boil, and then 11 pounds each of Eldorado and Citra, and 22 pounds of Mosaic at the end of boil.
0: And then those just get whirlpooled for?
3: Yes. Yeah. Half an hour rest for 20 minutes, something like that. And then uh, in the fermenter, Again, 40 barrels of beer, 42 barrels of beer, we got 84 pounds of that apricot puree, along with the yeast waiting. Um, tomorrow morning, I will come in and dry hop the beer with three pounds per barrel of Citra, Mosaic, and Eldorado. Um, I think we have more Eldorado than I thought we were going to have, so I may change the ratios a little bit yeah. but so you're talking four pounds per barrel of hops in this beer all together and uh and then we'll add oh i forgot the lactose in the boil right. So 80 minutes into the boil 100 pounds of lactose <laughs> and then um dry hop to that about 18 hours then post primary fermentation about like four days into it i'll add another 120 pounds of apricot puree yeah and then we'll see how it works at that point and well maybe we'll tweak it more we might dry hop it a little bit more or we may add some more fruit and possibly you know but probably not you okay. kidding right we're gonna add sunshine and rain a lot a lot love a lot of love
2: always
0: oh, well you need a lot of love and you need a lot of experimentation whenever you're gonna go to homebrew con
2: so figure there's nothing we can put in this beer that people will not right. approve of <laughs> sure
0: homebrewers are a crazy bunch uh, i've seen i don't know if you guys have ever been to uh club night at HomebrewCon, but it's sort of insane you walk around and you go i why did you put that into a beer
3: yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> all right well anything else that you th- guys think that we should know uh before we uh before we call it a day
3: no just uh look it. everybody should look for us because we'll be at homebrew Con. yeah um one of my associates here at Heavy Season, Megan Schwartz, our quality team leader, is going to be giving a presentation that day on Friday of the of the So I'll be on site on Friday. You'll be there more often, I think. I right? don't know what's going on. We're so going to have our Somebody work has back. to work, oh, right? Yeah. At the brewery. We'll uh, but hi, soon, come say hi to us. You know, <laughs> we're we won't bite. Yeah. Too many. And hopefully
2: meat. everyone likes
3: it. Yeah. <laughs> If you don't, if they don't like it,
2: then the joke has. Otherwise, Chris's staff yeah. worked really hard for nothing. Yes.
0: <laughs> so attendees will get a, a a can in their bags when they when they actually do their registration. Both of you guys will be on site to be pouring beer for various things, and as you said, seminars. Um, how far away is Westerly from the convention center?
2: It's about forty five minutes. We actually did. Um, there's an ad in the pamphlet too. We haven't decided what our deal is, but we did like bring this. Added for a special homebrew con you know, deal at the brewery for We don't know if it's going to be tasting or growler or whatever it is, but we're going to have something special in mind for <clears throat> homebrew coners um, that weekend as well. So if they do want to make very far trek, if you're from Rhode Island, from Providence to Lesterly, then uh, it'll, it'll be worth it while.
0: Well, I live in Los Angeles, so 40 minutes is around the corner. Yeah, yeah no,
2: It's like really comical in <laughs> Rhode Island. I live 35 minutes away from work, and people can't believe that I'm driving that back and forth for seven years—it's not that far. Granted, it's most of the state, so I get it. But yeah. in reality, it's not that much of a commute. But yeah, so anyway, people who are out of state, out of town, whatever, um, probably won't mind the drive, and it'll be—it's a really cool spot to come have a beer. So definitely come and say hi. All
0: right. perfect. And like, uh, like the state, small but mighty. So should this beer be?
2: Exactly. I
0: like it. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, I hope that you guys have continued success with the collaboration for the rest of the day. I think you probably have to go rescue the poor brewer who's staring at a a batch of goo. He's got it in
3: the whirlpool right now. All
0: right, he did it. (laughs) Go (laughs) Alec. And for those of you who attend HomebrewCon, make sure that when you have your beer, not only do you think of this episode and think about the thoughts going into the beer, but also think about poor Alex. Yes, yeah,
1: poor Alex, yes. poor Alex. We
2: should have called it that next time. <laughs>
3: got it.
0: Thank you everyone for joining us on another episode of the Brew Files. We hope you enjoyed this look into stepping out of your comfort zone and creating a beer with a fun premise behind it. Now, of course, we've got to try the beer next month in Providence, Rhode Island. You can make sure you get your very own can by registering at homebrewcon.org. And don't forget that Denny and I are having a party on Wednesday, June 28th talking, signing books, and podcasting during the conference as well. Remember, if you have show ideas, styles, brewers, techniques, ingredients, etc., you can drop us a line at podcast at experimentalbrew.com. You can reach us at denny at experimentalbrew.com or drew at experimentalbrew.com. You can find us on Twitter at expbrewing, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Reddit, and just about every homebrew forum out there. And of course, you can find us at www.experimentalbrew.com. Don't forget, you can support the podcast by leaving us a review in Apple Podcasts. Click the AHA, BrewSwag.com, code word experimental, Amazon, Brewers Friends, or BYO links in the website. And by going to Patreon and pledging a buck or two or more to our charitable cause, which for this part of the year is Wings of Rescue, an organization of private pilots flying shelter animals from one shelter where they may be euthanized to another where they're going to be adopted and have happy homes. Until next time, remember, the brew is out there. And
1: we'll see you on the next episode of The Brew Files. Family-owned Atlantic Brew Supply is the biggest homebrew shop in the Southeast. No gimmicks, no multinational corporate overlords, and no BS. Unique ingredients from local suppliers, including malt from neighboring Artisan Malthouse Epiphany Craft Malts and award-winning recipe kits, including the Toll, Raleigh Brewing Company's GABF-winning Imperial Oatmeal Stout, Plus, we've got pro level equipment and the best in cask supply equipment from sister companies ABS Commercial and Cask Supply. Malts, extracts, and more, all available by the ounce, an on site calculator to help you craft your best brew, same day order processing, and guaranteed two day shipping for East Coast customers. Get 15% off your first order when you use the coupon code BREWFILES at checkout at Atlantic Brew Supply.